Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Well, my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about everything from counterfeit Kona coffee to election integrity in the first half. Yes, we're going to tie the two of those together. And then in the second half, we're going to talk about this no screaming on roller coasters rule that's going to go into effect at the beginning of April, how we think we're going to enforce that and how you can try to comply with that. And Larry's going to be talking a little bit about border security. Remember, we do the whole cloud silver lining back and forth on this show. So you can always anticipate a little of both. But speaking about the silver lining, you may have uh, remembered, probably because your devices are remembered for you, that we have officially sprang forward, stepping into spring. And today, believe it or not, is the spring equinox. Now, what is that? That is actually the day when day and night are the same lengths around the world. That's pretty cool. And for those of you that have those favorite months, favorite days, awareness month, and what does the day stand for? It's always national something or other day. Spring equinox is a big deal because it officially marks the change of seasons as the Northern hemisphere begins to tilt towards the sun and the days begin to continue to get longer and the nights shorter. Everybody loves that. And everybody loves summertime because you get off of work and it's like it's two in the afternoon and all of a sudden you have all this wonderful time to spend outside, which is now where we're spending more and more of our time. But as we talk about spending time outside, we also have to talk about getting up in the morning. And yes, that leads me to the first story about Kona coffee. Now, maybe it's not Kona coffee. Maybe you have your own your own favorite brand, or maybe you just like generic commodity beans, as they're called, because you like the pick-me-up. But this is a lawsuit that was about keeping it real. In other words, if you're selling something that's branded as Kona coffee, well, it sure should have at least a little bit of Kona beans in it. Actually, in Hawaii, it has to be 10%. But here, you also can't deal with any type of misrepresentation because flavor matters. Now, Larry, you're a coffee drinker, and I know that you know a little bit about this lawsuit. I mean, do the Kona beans, we know they come from at least recently, that rich, tropical, lush uh, Kona flavor makes you wanna take a vacation. But I understand that the Kona bean actually may have some history before Hawaii. Exactly, Wendy. Uh, The Kona coffee belt, that's an area that's only on the big island in the chain of islands in Hawaii. It's 30-mile stretch of land, and it's only two miles wide. And it has the perfect uh, environment for growing coffee. Just a little bit of wind, mild nights, porous volcanic soil, And it just creates the favorable, perfect conditions for that. Now, what's interesting, there was a gentleman by the name of Samuel Reverend Rugels who brought the first coffee plant to Kona in 1828. That was a long time ago. And it's 
what even you weren't around back then, Larry, right? Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Wendy. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I was. But, uh, right. but anyhow, uh, so the coffee bean is not native to Hawaii. He brought it over from Brazil. It was uh, Arabica cuttings from Brazil, and he wanted to see how well it would grow in the Hawaiian uh, climate. And obviously, it was it grew very well, and it's just just wonderful coffee. Well, I tell you, the one thing about Kona Coffee is a lot of people have been talking about this lawsuit because. The lawsuit was brought against some real big retailers, you know, like um, Costco and Walmart and a couple other real big names. But one of the things that people were saying is, well, gosh, I'm going to go out and buy a cup. And the first thing I said is, you better make sure you actually buy real Kona coffee or you're not going to get the experience. I mean, price tag is a red flag. That is one of the ways in which we know we're buying the real McCoy or a knockoff. I mean, we go to the swap meet and they have all these Gucci bags hanging. We know we're not buying Gucci. So to here, we should be careful that we understand whether or not we're consuming the real thing. And I do have to say that in this lawsuit, it's not just about cash. It was about commitments. In other words, the farmers that were growing these beans and growing this coffee were very proud of, of what they were doing. And sometimes their lives work was in this farming. So it wasn't just about cash. It was about commitments, commitments to make sure that what you're selling is actually Kona coffee uh, from the Kona belt. So it's about both retail and reputation, kind of a big deal. And when you think about how important coffee is, not only to connoisseurs, but to everybody uh, that enjoys their cup in the morning, when you choose a certain brand, it becomes about quality control to some extent. I mean, you no doubt have your favorite brand of coffee, don't you? Uh, sure. And I think when I was in Hawaii, I did have the Kona and it was so good. And it is handpicked, just so everybody knows. They don't use machines. And this, I just found this out. It's the only coffee grown in the United States. How about that? That's pretty that special. That is really interesting. It is pretty special. and But the fact that it comes from Kona is sort of like champagne coming from the champagne region. So there's so much more to it. You know, we go to Hawaii. Many of us love Hawaii. And we bring back souvenirs. Well, that becomes problematic if you're grabbing a souvenir and it says it's Kona coffee and you know that's Hawaiian, but it's actually not. And somebody tastes it and says, I don't understand what all the fuss is about. This doesn't taste any different from the instant I'm used to having or the pods that I buy at Costco every day. That is the gist of this lawsuit. And that's the gist of the problem is if it loses its distinctiveness because it actually isn't really Kona coffee to begin with, then it loses the whole reason that that brand is so popular and that Kona coffee is so popular and that should it actually should cost much more than it really does. So that's pretty important. But speaking of um, issues that we're looking at and, and these types of uh, telling the truth and, and quality control and all the rest of it, um, I understand that there are some political issues on your mind in the same vein. Exactly. And I was going to talk about election integrity, Wendy, but I think I'm going to shift it a little bit to race relations, believe it or not. And I'll tie this in if I can. Uh, they're having meetings right now in Alaska between the United States and China. Well, China scolded us, the United States, for our treatment of, of uh, blacks. And they referenced Black Lives Matter. Of course, we've heard of Black Lives Matter. But I want to, the connection continues. There's a Chinese organization, well, 
actually it's an American organization called Black Futures Lab, and it's a venture of Black Lives Matter, and it's funded uh, by the Chinese Progressive Association, which has direct close ties with the communist uh, China uh, party. And it was just so interesting that they're using that. Now, I want to talk briefly, very briefly. This is so important. There, and I'm going to try to put this up on our podcast page. Way back in 1963, they put this into the congressional record. And one of the points, these were the 45 goals at that time in 1963 of the Communist Party. And one of them was to bring violence and insurrection to America via race relations. And also, I'm going to post a video that was done in 1969. Uh, it's by a gentleman by G. His name is G. Edward Griffin, and it's called "Communist Takeover: The Communist Takeover of America." And he goes into this was made in '69, but if you look at that 10-minute video, everything that you see happening, beginning last summer uh, all the way through today, is directly what is happening, and it, were, it was the goals of the Communist Party of America. So I'm going to try to post that, and they talk about setting fires and the, the psychological impact that has on the middle class of America. It terrifies us, right? And the answer to the left, just think of this, is government. And to, then the next problem, more government, until you have total government. And when you have total government in any society, you have communism. That is communism, even if they call it by a different name like progressivism or socialism. When they have total control over every aspect of your life, basically you're dealing in communism. And I just wanted to briefly mention silver lining. Way down in Florida, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, he said, we will not teach critical race theory here. We're going to be teaching civics instead good American civics because teaching kids to, these are his words, teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. And then the final, quickly, I wanted to put this out too. It's got to be quick, Larry. Yeah, you really ran good. us all the way up into the break with this. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen in the audience, we are the most a fair country in the world. We are the least racist country in the world. And I've been to many, many countries. You try to start a business in some of these other countries. And if you're not of their race, you can have a real hard time. And I just want to stress that this is the best place you could live in the entire world. So we have to hold on to this country, our constitution, our declaration of independence, no matter what. And we cannot let anyone take that away. You know, the one thing that um, the one big takeaway that I had from that uh, meeting that was televised between the U.S. and China, um, and I'm saying this in my behavioral analyst hat, is it was just fascinating the way both countries really came out of the gate very strongly. And, you know, it really is a testament to what matters in these really high profile negotiations. We talk about this a lot and we talk about the, the need to have diplomacy, but it's also important as you and I in the legal field and as many of our listeners know, no matter what type of business you're in, to be able to have that sort of chemistry, to form that chemistry right at the beginning. And I know that a lot of the people that watched that um, news conference probably didn't think that it was chemistry that they were forming right at the beginning of that. But in any event, you know, I'll try to end a little bit with the silver lining because that is exactly the way we we warm up the hot seat or we break the ice, one or the other, in the way we come out of the gate. But in any event, we have a very interesting second half, and we're going to start with something near and dear to our hearts. Yes, amusement parks. We're going back out. We may be masked, but are they going to know if we scream? 
When you're at the top of a roller coaster, can anybody hear you scream? Maybe that's a good tease. Don't touch that dial, folks. We will be right back with the answer. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. My co-host Larry Dersham and I are uh, very excited to bring you what we hope is a thrilling second half. So Larry, I'm going to start with a question. So you're on a roller coaster and you go out of the gate and you start mounting that first big hill. You know how there's always that first incline? Yes. You know, that's the sound as you go up the incline. Yes. You go all the way to the top. The tension mounts. You crest the top and you get ready to plunge down the other side. And what do you hear starting April 1st? Nothing. Nothing. Why? Because theme parks in California are going to ban screaming starting April 1st. Now we're going to see how this works out. But that's the plan. Now, I don't know how they know who is and isn't screaming through a mask. But can you imagine the roller coaster experience if you were not allowed to scream? Now, I don't know how you get this through to your kids. But the bigger question, Larry, I suppose, and let's just start with this real logic problem. Do you really have all the control you would like to have when you are absolutely in the thrill of a ride, like a roller coaster at a theme park? I mean, are you able to to keep it together in that environment, Larry? Can you really stop yourself from screaming? Well, I think I've been in Magic Mountain a couple of times, and usually at that point, I'm not screaming. I'm just praying. Well, you probably can't pray either because that would involve projection. You're right. Oh, my goodness. So So here is what the theme parks are trying to do. Now, this is not new. They've done it in other countries. And in fact, one of the most interesting things that's come out of this no yelling, no screaming on rides ban is these serious face videos that we're now seeing trending on YouTube where people are filming themselves on the most thrilling rides all over the world with totally serious faces wearing masks. Now that's hard to do. I'm not quite sure how you mount the video camera to begin with, but somehow they have lots and lots of footage. But here are some of the very practical problems with this. Now, notwithstanding the desire that most people have to try to follow the rules, you can try, you can try to keep your kids quiet. It probably won't happen. There probably won't be any difference than there was before. But by the way, people are asking why they need to wear masks on roller coasters to begin with. I mean, everybody's facing the same way. You're outside, you're moving very quickly. Is that really a super spreader environment being on a roller coaster, whether or not you're yelling? And here's another question, Larry, if your mask flies off when you're up at the top and flutters down to the bottom of the roller coaster with everybody else's and you go to lost and found because obviously you want that mask back, and they ask you which one's yours. How do you answer that question? Describe well, it. How would you describe your mask? Well, I, I think what may happen, Wendy, is there'll be the police there and they will arrest you. They'll throw you to the ground and handcuff you and ban you for life. Oh, no. Ban you for life from roller coasters. 
Possibly. But how are they going to prove that it was you who screamed? Are they going to, I know they take those pictures at the end when everybody is in those compromising positions, their mouths are open, but everybody's going to be masked. So you just can't prove it. Can you? No, you, you know who it was. You can't prove it. And again, it's, I don't know if this would qualify as virtue signaling. They're just saying, oh, we're going to have everybody wear a mask. I, I still believe this is a mechanism of control. Just like in the schools, they went from magically from six feet social distancing. Now they want to get the kids back in, which is wonderful. But now it's all of a sudden three feet. I guess the, uh, the coronavirus has been tamed and it doesn't jump the full six feet. It's down to three feet. Congratulations, Dr. Fauci on that. So I think that all of these regulations have something in common. And by the way, the answer when you go to Lost and Found at the theme park is, oh, my mask is light blue. Just kidding. That's how you, t- <laughs> that's how you tell them apart, right? Right. So the rationale is sort of the same behind all of this. And it's well-intentioned. They want to they reduce the spread. Everybody wants that. We're all on the same page. Everybody's in agreement. Where paths diverge is how do you do it the best? And like you just said, is it six feet? Is it three feet? To the defense of all who are making these rules, we would say and we would acknowledge that this has been a learning process, that we didn't know as much a year ago as we know today. And Larry, I think you actually have some data that it actually has officially been one calendar year. It has. Today is the 20th of March, 2021. And yesterday, the 19th of March, uh, 2020, was the first day that uh, Governor Newsom uh, basically instituted the lockdown orders. So we have been basically in lockdown in one form or another. I know it varies with the uh, color codes, but we've been in lockdown for over a year. Uh, And that anniversary date was yesterday. And because I'm always the silver lining, I would say that as we reemerge back into society, we do so with a newfound level of technological proficiency that no doubt will remain and will permit us and will facilitate connection with people all over the world in ways it never did before. I and you and many others have reconnected with long lost friends and family members over platforms like Zoom and Teams and Google Hangouts and things, blue jeans. I mean, things we didn't even know existed, or if we did, they were just because we heard the terminology coming out from our grandkids. But we now know how to stay and remain connected in ways we never did before. Not to mention the fact that vaccinated or not, we still understand that there is a a risk of transmitting the violence. The violence, boy, there goes my day job sneaking out there. The, The virus, sorry about that. Although sometimes the two do go together. We now know how to how to try to not to tr- transmit it, and so do the businesses we frequent. Now that we go into a nail salon, a gym, a restaurant, sometimes it's like a sea of plexiglass. Everything is sanitized and then over-sanitized, and then it's sanitized between patrons to where we're actually living in a much more sanitary environment. Now, not sterile, because that's different, isn't it, Larry? And we recognize that nobody wants to live in a cold, unfriendly sterile environment. We want to get back into the habit of socializing. But the key is how do we do that safely? Yeah, I think one of the keys is having borders. And have you noticed we don't have any borders right now between nice segue, nice segue, Larry. <laughs> South America and the United States. We do have borders, very strong, stringent borders around the people's house, you know, the Capitol building right now. Uh, that's yes, we do. interesting. Uh, but basically no borders uh, 
of south of the United States. And uh, I would just say, you know, there's a lot of elites that believe that we should not have any borders. And I'm going to read to you, I don't know if you've heard this, a direct quote from Hillary Clinton. And she was making a speech before Brazilian bankers. And here's what she said. My dream is a hemisphere common market with open trade and open borders. Sometime in the future with energy that's green and sustainable as we can get, empowering growth and opportunity for every person in the hemisphere. And, you know, it sounds kind of almost like a nice statement, a a nice dream, but basically I think in a lot of people's mind, including hers, at least when she made that speech, I think it was in 2013, a while ago, uh, people are thinking about why even have borders at all. And I think that's what we're seeing. Uh, The Obama, uh, the Biden administration, excuse me, did put out the signals that they're not going to deport any children. So all of a sudden we have all these children that are coming north. Very, very dangerous journey. And we'll get into this topic possibly on another show. We do a lot of work in human trafficking and training law enforcement how to spot and fight that. Right, Wendy? And uh, this is unfortunately a conduit of human trafficking. And this just came in today. Um. They're having massive, uh, this is some of the the camps where they're housing these kids. Governor Abbott of Texas just said on Fox News yesterday, Friday, in some of these camps, they have no usable running water. And they're having a massive coronavirus outbreak in the migrant holding facility in Texas. And now a second facility is experiencing that COVID outbreak explosion. And so what are they going to do when you entice people to come here and often you don't test them, you release them into the community, yet you have us locked up. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to anybody? And that's what's well, it actually even, yeah, even the Biden administration, um, even the president and uh, those surrounding him have made it very clear that their goal right now is to discourage people from heading to the border. And largely because of much of what you mentioned, you know, when it comes to safety, that is always a bipartisan issue. As much as we may disagree as to pathways to citizenships and should, you know, who should stand in line and who should get certain jobs. And there's a bunch of disagreement and both. And obviously that's a very partisan issue, but I'll tell you what, what else is not a partisan issue is taking care of our young people. And there is nobody of any party that doesn't want to see those kids that are being housed at the border have everything they need. And I mean, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and we want to keep them safe. That is problematic as both sides are recognizing if there's no control. Like you say, you mentioned human trafficking. There are lots of issues that arise with when you're sending unaccompanied minors to the border. And Larry, I know we're almost out of time, but sometimes that word minor is misunderstood. How old are these kids? I, I The range probably goes from, I'm not sure how they're classifying it, but I would say it was under 18 for sure. Now, if there's a different classification, I apologize. I don't have that in front of me. No, you're right, Larry. A minor is a minor. And that is one of the reasons we're so concerned about what's going on down there. And so our hearts and prayers are with the minors, their families, the community, as we try to sort all this out. 
Well, we could talk about that subject uh, all day long, and I'm sure we will on another occasion. But for now, we're going to have to say goodbye. I want to say to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful, safe weekend. Please join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy, headlines with a silver lining. Have a great week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. 